So, I wish to answer the verses given, but uh, before that, I'd like to give the explanation for God the Son. Uh, I I could uh, tolerate the term in the right understanding, but uh, I wish to point out the wrong understanding. The wrong understanding for the word God the Son is that He is another person God apart from God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. So there are three of them in the in, from the start, and being one God is just one in nature, but not one in number. So God the Son here implies, uh, by modern terminology, that He is a a, a distinct, separate uh, person God apart from God the Father. He is a co-equal God, co-equal person God, co-equal in nature, in it, co-eternal equal in power okay that's what I, I i wish to uh deny in the in the understanding of the word god the son but if the understanding of god the son means he has he inherited the nature of his father uh it, standing in the position of his father as a theophany then i could uh, uh tolerate the term god the son now let's go to the explanation of what was given uh, before I go to the scriptural answer to what, what was given a while ago, maybe we've heard this from other people before. The offspring of man is man. The offspring of a beast is a beast. The offspring of an animal is an animal. Uh, offspring of a pig is a pig. And the offspring of a god is god. So I, um, those that use that kind of uh, uh, terminology reasoning, I could also agree to that with the right understanding. But with the wrong understanding, of course, uh, I, I, I think even Trinity does, could not even apply to that because it's not a literal offspring. They were co eternally coexisting from the start. Now, uh, he did, if he, he, he was begotten, there was a point in time that he began, that he did not exist. But the doctrine of the Trinity, the present-day Trinity today, uh, they are co-eternal. They have never... There was not a time that they never coexisted, okay? So, that's what, uh, now let's go to the verse. Uh, the word begotten comes from the Greek uh, monogenes theos. Monogenes means a seed, the seed of God, okay? The seed that, that comes from God. The word, the, the, the seed is the, also the word of God. That is to say, Christ existed with God from the beginning, as a seed of God, he was in the the within God when Christ said, "I came out and proceeded forth from the Father." Two minutes left. Two minutes. Okay. Let me go to the scripture. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. What is that word? That word is logos. What is logos? As it is, it was translated, the Word. It's the Word of God. It's not another God. It's something that is expressed by God. That is in the logos of God. What is the logos of God? The reasoning, the purpose. That's, me, that's the meaning of the word logos. He was in the beginning with God. Yes, because in, in the beginning, Christ and all creation was within God, in his mind, in his, in his logos. And he, he was in the beginning with God. And the word was made flesh and was made manifest to us. John 1.18. And... Uh, who, who um, no one has seen God at any time, but the only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, He has declared Him. Yes, the Son was in the bosom of the Father when He was declaring God. 
He was he was not in the bosom of the father. Bosom means beside, right? He was not in the bosom of the father from the beginning, but he was in the bosom of the father when he was declaring who the father is, who God is, whom no one has seen. So he has. They have seen Christ. They have not seen God. They can see God through Christ. He that has seen me has seen the Father. So that's the right understanding. That should be the right understanding if we use the word God the Son. The wrong understanding is another God apart from the Father. How many seconds? How many seconds? seconds. 30 seconds? So so the right understanding, that's why the word Son of God uh, has a deeper implication. He inherits all things from God. He is an heir, being a son. So the Bible says son of God. The word God the son is not written there. But by understanding, if you have the right understanding, if you inherit the nature of God, you can be called God the son in the right understanding. Okay. Thanks, thanks, thanks. I'll give you like 15 to 20 seconds. Or 20 seconds, you know, to answer it. Um, what do you mean by um, saying existed with God? Uh, being a seed is like part of you. If you have your, before you have your children, your seed is part of your body. Jesus Christ is part of God in the beginning as the Word of God. The, let's say the expression was not yet expressed or the expression was already expressed. He was foreshadowed in the Old Testament. That's the form of the Word as the seed of God. Okay, thank you very much. So, uh, that's your seed. The, the definition of your seed, uh, God's seed, you know, uh, that connotes that the seed has a person already. They have will and they have mind. So, the, in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, before he was made flesh, he does not have his own consciousness. He's not an, another co-equal God in the beginning. He was still just part of God the Father. His consciousness comes okay. when he was made flesh. Okay, okay. So, um, okay. So your seed it has no consciousness uh, in the past, you know. So, um, so my question is, if, if you may, if you if you don't want to answer because this is pertaining to pre-existence, now, um, this this topic, you know. But uh, my 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 question is, when did Satan fall from heaven. Was it uh, before the creation, during the creation, or way after the creation of the universe? When did he fall? Just uh, time frame. Before the creation, during the creation, or a distant past, you know, after the creation? After, after. When? After, after the creation. Uh, okay. Huh? After the creation, which means um, on the first century, during Abraham's time, or during Jesus' time? Uh, during prehistoric times, uh, before the advent of man. Oh, okay. okay. So, well, thank you. So, um, so, so, the fall of Satan from heaven was before Adam. Okay. So, uh, I have my next question. In Luke, in in Luke 10, 18, in Luke 10, 18, let me, let me just, let me just pull my Bible, okay? In Luke 10, 18, uh, Jesus says, I saw Satan. Yeah, I 
also think that falls from heaven. heaven like yes. like yes. of Indonesia. Um, my my question there. Did um uh Jesus Christ when he saw Satan fell from heaven like a lightning? Was he unconscious or was he um a faithful witness, an eyewitness? Because he said, "I saw." Jesus Christ saw Satan fall from heaven the time he mentioned that in Luke chapter 10 when he was confronting the disciples that they were so happy that they that, that the devil is under them uh, it is not impossible for the children of God to have vision of the past even the son of God okay okay so so it's it's not impossible for the children of God, even for the Son of God. The vision of the past. Okay, who who else ha, who else has a vision of the past aside from Jesus Christ? Any other children of God? Uh, does, uh, all that all sons of God can have visions according to God will reveal it to them. Jesus Christ said. He, 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 God reveals to him, the Father reveals to him what he should do and what he should know. And he, he does not dare to go beyond what the Father wants him to know, what he needs to do. Yes. Okay, okay, last question, uh, Brother uh, Francis. Uh, on uh, verse 18, um, no one has ever seen God except the one and only Son who is at his bosom. He declared him. When did he re- declare father where during his ministry in his ministry he was introducing who god the father is john 17 3 and first john 5 20. time okay thank you so much thank for you. the wonderful question and answer so we're gonna go to the uh negative side so five minutes for francis it's either you so request so or put some statements so in continuation so, so in continuation to what I am sharing um the pre-existence of Jesus Christ is in the form of the logos so uh that what I am correcting in the understanding of the term God the Son is that he was co-eternal being God the Son is being Co-equal with God the Father inherently, originally. So, if you are God the Son, co-equal with God the Father inherently, originally, let me show some scriptures that contradict that uh, understanding. Um, we have scriptures that says that the Son inherited all things from the Father. That's in Hebrews 1, 2. Hebrews 1.1, 1, 1, he was not yet a spokesman. Hebrews 1.1, 1, 1, it was God the Father who was the spokesman. God who had sundry times in diverse manners, taking time passed to the fathers by the prophets. That's verse 1. And we know that's God the Father. The, the Son is not part of that word God, as others would interpret it. Verse 2, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son. That, that's where you know. Verse 1, the word God there is only God the Father, no other God, okay? So, so the Son has become a spokesman in the New Testament. So in the Old Testament, those who are teaching that the, 
the son was speaking in the Old Testament was lying or contradicting the scripture that the son spake in verse 2 in the New Testament, has spoken unto us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things. If the son is a co-creator with God, an inherent co-creator with God, then he is he, he being the, the inheritor of all things, being he being the heir of all things, is just a, a, a show play. It's just a drama. Of course, oneness and Trinitarian would interpret that it's all drama when Jesus Christ was weak, when he was human. No, it was not drama. It was real. It was real. When he was praying to God, he was real. When he said he could not do anything without the Father doing it for him, it was real. The Son can do nothing of himself. So when he inherits all things, that means say, he is a recipient of God the Father's uh, Lordship and Deity. Uh, that's why I agreed. I can agree with the term God the Son with the right understanding. The Deity he's carrying is not from his own, as uh, original Trinitarians who teach that he has, he, each one of them has their own Deity. No, the deity of Jesus Christ comes from the Father. Let me quote verse 3. Verse 3 says, Who, being the brightness of His glory, so who had the brightness of His glory? The Son. Two minutes left. And being the, uh, who being the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person, of His uh, hypostasis. Who is that His? That His is the Father. The Son has the brightness of the glory of the Father, he is the express image of the Father. So that's the right understanding of God the Son. So, uh, um, that, that is uh, one verse that shows the deity of the Son comes from the Father. The Spirit of God, God indwelt the Son and manifested Himself through the Son. In verse, uh, how about Hebrews 1, uh, 8, where they interpret that, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever the scepter of righteousness, and they said, Paul was talking about the Son. So, let me show you the theophany of this. In verse 9, God, who is uh, your God, has anointed with an, with an oil of gladness, greater than thy fellows. When Paul said, unto God, he said, ah, um, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is a righteous scepter. And in verse 9, the God had anointed that king to be, to have an oil greater than others, 50 seconds. So, if you go to the book of Psalms, where it was quoted, 15, in the book of Psalms, he was talking about God, but if you refer to the son, the son would receive that anointing from God. Okay, that's all. No more time. Okay, thank you so much for the wonderful... We read the passages, multiple passages, I think from John 5, uh, and then uh, in Hebrews 1. Let, let me begin from John 5. Um, so he said, um, he said, the Son can do nothing unless he sees it from the Father. And the Father had shown him all he does. When did this happen? So, uh, this is a, a experience similar to what Brother Branham also narrated. Before healing a person, 
God will show it to him. This happened also to Barbanan. That's why his, his testimony is similar to Jesus Christ. God will show to him whom to heal, whom to go near to, and uh, declare the healing. And there was a, a lame person in the temple that he was, he was ignoring for, for three years. So he was not healing everyone. He was healing only to whom the Father pointed him to. All right, thank you so much. Can I proceed? Um, so, um, th- my next question is Jesus Christ and uh, William Branham uh, about the same situation, about the same essence, about the same substance, about the same um, thing. Do uh, you have an equal right? Are they both king? Brother Branham is not the same as Jesus Christ. But I'm talking about giving a vision to up, because it's not only Barbara who experiences many healers experiences they can see in the future they can see have a vision whom the person will be healed. Okay, okay. Um, my my next question, um, um, in the, on the same chapter in chapter five, he says all judgment was given to the son that they may honor the son. As they honor the father, so did, did the father, did the father, uh, give the worship or honor to his son? So that is precisely what I was saying from the start. Yes, because it is delegated. If they're not inherently co-equal, he was he was given that honor. He did not inherently have it. He was delegated with it. So, uh, oh, I'm sorry. The judgment was given to the son, but the honor, uh, it, it says that they may honor the son just as they honor the father. The honor was not given if it's in heaven, but the judgment was given. Am I right? Uh, the honor is also given because they did not originally honor the son. They did not know the son. They did not even accept the son. So... They are both delegated, judgment and honor. All right. let, let, okay, let, let me proceed. On on uh, Hebrews 1, in, in, in verse 5, who is, who is um, declaring here, the Father or the Son? Hebrews chapter 1, verse 5, it was the fa- God the Father speaking. God the Father speaking. Okay, perfect. Unto whom of the angels he said. Yeah. Okay. And uh, on on verse, uh, your throne, O God, who is that God? That's in Psalms chapter forty-five, the same Father God. Okay, so it says on on, on verse eight, but of the Son. So the Father God is the Son, because in, in chapter in verse eight it says, but of the Son, your throne, O God, who is the Son? Okay, the son is in verse 9 because Paul quoted Psalms 45, 6, and 7. He started from 6. That's why he quoted, Thy throne, O God, forever, is forever and ever. Then he was referring to the son in verse 9. That God has anointed me with an oil of gladness uh, above thy fellows. So when Paul said, Unto the son he, per- he say it, he was referring to the prophecy about the son in verse 9. But in quoting, of course, they didn't have numbers verses then. Then he quoted the earlier verse just to know, just, just to show where it could be found in the Book of Psalms, just for familiarization. Okay, last question. Uh, verse eleven: They will perish, but your, you remain, and they will 
grow old who is this referring to the son or the father the one speaking is a you're asking who is the one speaking right the one speaking is a who is it pertaining to they will perish I, I'm asking who is this referred to. They will perish, but you, that you, who is that you? That you is God himself when, if you look up back in the book of Psalms, he was referring to God who created all things. Okay. Thank you so much for the wonderful question and answer. We're going to go to the last presentation, our last question, question and answer by Francis Chen. Are you ready, Pastor? Okay, so there's limited time I'm going to use in Hebrews chapter 1. Uh, many Trinitarians make the mistake that Hebrews chapter 1, everything was spoken by God to another God. Like verse 5, it was really God the Father who spake. But they continue it up to verse 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 13, as though it was the same God speaking. To know who was the one speaking, you have to look up where the verse came from. It came from... It came from different sources. That's why you read in uh, in Hebrews in this place again, in, in another place. Paul was referred to in another verse, in what in this another scripture. So uh, Hebrews one five, it was God speaking. But Hebrews one eight, it was a worshiper speaking in Psalms chapter forty five. Paul merely quoted it. When Paul quoted it, he was referring to the Son in verse nine. As the one being prophesied in that uh, verse. Then you go to verse 10, verse 11, verse 12. Very, uh, 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 other people, uh, it will, he, Paul would be quoting from other worshippers in the book of Psalms. Though, O Lord, has laid the foundations of the earth. So, so he is quoting from other people who is worshipping God, who is praising God. Then he would go to verse 14. It's God again who will speak. Uh, oh, no, sorry. Who maketh his angels uh, uh, flames of fire, ministers of fire? Oh, it's not God who is speaking. But uh, sit at my right hand until I make thy enemies thy footstool. That's God speaking. So you have to look at the antecedent. If you know grammar, antecedent. To whom the, the pronoun is being referred to. Who, who, who is speaking in the first person, the second person, the third person. So you must know that in order to know who is the one speaking. It's not all the verses that God is speaking. That is why Trinitarians today have this interpretation that it was all God speaking. One God speaking to another God. One God speaking to another God, thy throne of God is forever and ever. Let me show some contradiction. If it is one God speaking to another God, in verse five, verse 9, there will be more than five gods. Why? The, um, the one speaking is the first God. And he's speaking the third person of another God, anointing him, the Son. A third God, and he his his anointing will be ab above his fellows. If he is God, then who are his fellows? At least there would be two gods. So at least there would be five gods if we follow the interpretation of the Trinitarians that is each God speaking to another God. Okay. So uh, how many minutes do I have? How many minutes? Two minutes. Plus. Two minutes. Okay. So let us uh, go to um, other aspects of the pre-existence. Let me use the word pre-existence. Trinitarians use the word pre-existence in the wrong way. Even God, even God becoming a man, wrong way. 
uh, in their understanding, it should not be pre-existence. Because if you use the word pre-existence, it means before existence. So the word pre-existence uh, supports more uh, my understanding that he was logos before. He was not conscious before. His existence was when he was made flesh. So the right word in his in of instead of pre-existence should be previous conscious existence. That's uh, that's a correction for the terminology for the Trinitarian apologists. Another thing, God becoming man. It's not even written God becoming man, but even the the wording is wrong. If you use the word become, you are no longer the original state. But actually, it is the word was made flesh. So the word was made flesh. In other Bible translation, the word became flesh. It is not God himself, but his logos that was became, became flesh. His plan, his word came to pass. When he created, when he spoke, it came to pass. That is, the word was made flesh. And in creation of the body of Jesus Christ, even his soul and his spirit, it all comes from God. As all beings on the world and all creation comes from God, even if the Adam was made from the dust of the ground. So, um, the word made flesh, the word made there means Christ was made. The word made there is genomai. Genomai in Greek is also in John 1.3. The, wor the world was made by him, and nothing was made. With without him was not anything made that was made. Of course, there's a misinterpretation of this by Trinitarians that he was a co-equal uh, co creator, no? co-creator, uh, inherent co-creator. I might not have any much time left to explain that, but uh, what is important, suffice to say, John 1.3, the word was made, Dinomai, by him. It's also the Ginomai in Janon 14. Okay, thank you. Okay, thank you so much for the wonderful debate. So, before we're gonna go to the, we call this the conclusion, conclusion stage, we're gonna hello to our. So, let, uh, the, okay, start. The word was made by him, it is an object of the preposition. Uh, let me quote Ephesians 3.9, God who made the worlds uh, by Jesus Christ. So, God who made the world by Jesus Christ, God is the subject who is the direct creator, and Jesus Christ is the object of his creation. So that's the understanding, if you were made by him, made through him. Okay, the same meaning, it's all the English. So, um, he said that Jesus Christ is of the same essence as the Father. Now, uh his same essence as of the father is is dual there is homoousius similar nature and there's homoousius the exact same nature the exact same na the homoousius was his inherent nature when he was made flesh homoousius was when god indwelt him so trinitarians rarely discuss about indwelling of god the father in jesus christ and inherit so that the son inherits all things from the father that's homoousius, exact same nature. So that's when the same essence comes. Now let's talk about begotten. The only begotten son of God simply means he's the only son of God that is born of a woman. Begotten means being born. Because who are the sons of God? It's Adam and Jesus Christ. Who are we? We are not directly sons of God. We, are, we could be adopted sons of God. So there, there are only two sons of God, that's Adam and Jesus Christ. 
And Abraham was not born. He was formed out of the ground. So only Jesus Christ was born of a woman. That's why he is the only begotten Son of God. The only Son of God that was born of a woman. Now, John 17:5, the glory which I had with thee before the world was. That glory is what? He was asking for it. Why was he asking for it? He was about to be betrayed and crucified. And what was that glory? That glory of the crucifixion and resurrection. 1 Peter 1.11 The glory, the, the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. Testifying beforehand. Testifying beforehand. The sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. What kind of glory? The glory of resurrection. That's why Christ was asking for the glory. And why was that glory with him in the beginning? Because he was in the Logos. In the Logos of God, the Lamb was already slain before the foundation of the world. Before everything else came to being, God already had it in place that the Lamb would be slain for the sins of many. So his glory was there in the beginning, but not a literal glory yet. It was in the Logos. The Logos, Romans 3, 4, 8, uh, 17, as though God speaks as though everything has already come to pass. That's the omniscience of God. So glorify now, though me with the glory which I had with thee before the world was, means the glory of that resurrection. It did not literally happen then, but it was already in the mind of God. Revelation 13, 8. Hebrews 1, 5. Uh, again, uh, our brother uh, did not understand what I'm saying. Maybe you should look at the evidence. I said, not all quoted by Paul in Hebrews 1 are from one speaker, from the same scripture. There are quotes that God was speaking. There are quotes that worshippers are speaking. So, if you have not understood that, let me say, uh, what you thought that it was God speaking to another God, it's a man-made wrong interpretation. It's wrong because they did not bother to look up where that source came from, where that quote came from. Of course, from the original quote, that is from the original speaker. Whoever was speaking then in that original scripture that was Paul was, uh, has quoted it from, that's the original speaker. Not, from, not by the context that we interpret from Hebrews 1. As though the speaker in verse 5 continues to speak until verse 8, verse 10, verse 13. So, uh, that's for Hebrews 1, chapter 1. Okay? And 30 seconds. So, uh, to summarize it, uh, I would say that uh, the word God the Son has been uh, misinterpreted. So there's uh, there's nothing wrong with the word persona or or offices or manifestation. There's nothing wrong if we use even the word trinity, if we have the right understanding. But if we have the wrong understanding, the terminology could perpetuate a wrong understanding. So the word Gaddasan today is being misunderstood uh, unbiblically. Okay. So please, uh, thank you for, for thank you for all the listeners, Beth, and uh, I wish to invite everyone again to join the my group, the uh, Kogeo End Time series, and download my audio recordings in the file section of that group. So, uh, thank you for your patronage.
Okay, that's all, that's all. Book of Revelation. He, con- he connects it from the book of First Peter, chapter 1, verse 11. So, if the glory mentioned in the two verses is the glory that is or that is the glory or the same glory that's mentioned by Christ in 17, Hi. verse 5 of the book of John. So, my question is this. Uh, according to the uh, old scriptures, not in the New Testament, so justify, give me a verse that will prove that the glory he mentioned in 17 verse 5 of the book of John is the glory mentioned in 13.8 and chapter 1 verse 11 of the book of First Peter. What particular verse uh, is the basis that that is the glory the glory that Christ already received before the foundation of the Okay, so the answer is this. First, uh, in during his ministry, Christ was already glorified, and God the Father said He has glorified Him, and He will glorify Him again. Okay. Secondly. In John 17, Christ was about to be betrayed. He was about to be captured. That was his last prayer of, of freedom. <laughs> so he even prayed in other verses that let this cup pass from me, if possible. So that means to say, he knows what is uh, about to happen to him. So uh, that's the second, okay? That glory, he was saying, that he was asking to be glorified. Why would he ask to be glorified if he already received it? So let's go back in the beginning, in the past. In the past, we know that all things that will happen was in the Logos, was in the mind of God. It did not happen literally. And remember, what is greater, the actual reality or the Logos when it was being predestinated? Predestinated to happen. So the predestination, the glory in the predestination, it's not yet the full glory. That is just a a preview of that glory. That is God's uh, logos, God's uh, omniscience, God's mind. But the more actual glory is the cross and the resurrection. That is more glorious than what was being prophesied in the past. So there, there's no glory in the past that will eclipse or even equate uh, that the glory that will happen in, in in Calvary and resurrection. So that that's the third. So so I will follow up if you may permit sir. Yes, yes. I will follow up. My question is this I will clarify. The glory that is being mentioned in First Peter and Revelation thirteen verse eight according to you is later glory after the crucifixion. So my question is what is that glory being mentioned by Christ in 75? Because it is another glory. If uh, the glory mentioned in 17.5 of John is the same in the glory being mentioned in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 11 and 13.8 of Revelation, what particular verse in the Old Testament scriptures stating that the glory that is being mentioned in 1 uh, chapter 1, verse 11 and 38 of Revelation, 
So what is the the basis of uh, stating that it is the same glory? Because particular verse in the uh, Old Testament. Christ, uh, uh, let me uh, repeat what I said earlier because the answer was there. I just to take, give you some notice of it. Uh, in John oh, chapter yes, 15, you will not give me any verse in my question. In the Old Testament, I have yet to think of a verse. There may there may be verses, oh, yes, but, but let me just point okay. out why why I said the 17 is the glory of crucifixion and resurrection. Because he was about to be captured. That's his last prayer, of being a free man. Okay? Okay, my second question. Okay. Thank you for the answer, no? Uh, my second question is, you mentioned a while ago that consciousness of Christ is during when he is in the flesh. So, according to you, when he is in the... he is being logos, if I follow your your uh, yes. he has no consciousness. Yes, yes. So my question is this: Who is the person that God is speaking when He begat according to the scriptures? Who is that person? Who is that person? That is my question. Uh, uh, today you are my son. Today I have begotten thee. That takes place. That takes place uh, in the conception in Mary. So when God begat Jesus Christ, when God begat Jesus Christ, it was not in the Old Testament. God begat Jesus Christ in the womb of Mary. Okay. So the angels were there to worship Him. Sorry, wait, wait. I will clarify first. I think you got my point. I will clarify. I'm sorry to say it. My question is this. Uh, according to you, the consciousness is when Christ is in the flesh. So my question is this, who is that one that is speaking with during the eternity before the foundation of the world? Who is that person, according to the Bible, that God is speaking? Who is that person? Uh, I don't know what verse you are referring to. In the book of uh, Psalms 2, chapter 2, verse 7, who is that person? Uh, in Tagalog, magmamana rin yan eh. So, who is that person that is speaking with? So, in Psalms chapter 2, the consciousness is when he is in the flesh. So, according to that verse, that is communicating to a person, to, his, to someone that has being because... While he will uh, communicate or he will speak to someone who is not have a uh, being and has no capacity to understand what he, he is saying. So my question is, who is that person? If you read being mentioned in chapter two, verse seven of the book of Psalms. If you read Psalms chapter two, it is prophetic utterance because you will read there that his son, whom he has anointed king over all the earth will subdue the nations and be already king. So, he was not yet king. So that is a prophetic utterance of the future. There are many scriptures in the Old Testament that prophesy the coming of Christ, even the future kingdom. The future kingdom. So, uh, some structure too did not take place when it was uh, 
written down by the by David. David had many writings that is prophetic. Wait, sir. Wait, sir. I was speaking of chapter two, verse seven. Yes, I'm talking about chapter two. Interaction is conversation. It is a conversation between God and that the person who is speaking with. So I am talking about chapters uh, verse seven. Who is that person in eternity that is speaking into? No? Who is that person? Uh, what I am saying. It is not the conversation in verse eight. I I understand that that, that is prophetic, and that will be happen. Uh, that is writings in the New Testament. But I am speaking. I, my question is, who is that person in chapter two, verse seven? That is speaking in two. Who is that person? Future. Let me read verse seven. I will declare the decree. So it is a futuristic event. Okay, the Lord hath said unto me, Thou art my son, this day I have begotten thee. So, the conversation you are referring to will be futuristic. Let me give you another example for that. Psalms 110.1 The Lord uh, said unto my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemy take his stool. So those are prophetic utterances. Even though there, were, there was a conversation. Even though there was a conversation. Thou art my God from my father's womb, from uh, thou art my God from my mother's womb. That is a conversation. But that conversation did not take place in the Old Testament. That conversation will take place in the New Testament. So that means to say, when you read verse 7, Thou art my son, this day I have begotten thee. The fulfillment, the fulfillment, when he was begotten, when the word was made flesh, that's the fulfillment. I have my last question. Uh, because there are lots of uh, will uh, follow me. Okay, okay. So I have uh, last question, sir. Uh, very last I will read chapter 2, verse 7 of the book of Psalm. And let us hear what is uh, written in this particular verse. According to, verse, to this verse, God said, I will declare the decree. The Lord has said unto me, Thou art my son, this day... Have I begotten thee? In verse 8, ask me, ask of me. So in verse 8, uh, that is uh, speaking of declaration. It is message with the person he is speaking in chapter 7. So my question is this. If, two, if chapter 2 verse 7 is in the future, in the future uh, will happen, uh, is there no any deep in the first saying that it will happen in the future or what what particular event it will be happen according to the verse. According to the verse, I will declare the decree. The Lord said unto me, Thou art my son. This day I have begotten thee. So according to verse, uh, the word this day, so what is the particular date? It is according to the future. So let me. So let me uh, give some bird's eye view before I answer. There's no one singular time. The, the, the begotten, the begotten part, the begotten part has two sides of it: in the womb of Mary and in his baptism. Okay, when he said, "Thou art my son, uh, in whom I am well pleased." Okay, because he has overcome uh, partially. Now. He be giving the heavens as an inheritance that will take place in the millennium. So
So there are many aspects of time here, not all at the same time. There are aspects of this prophecy, not all happening at the same time. Uh, oh, shall break them with a rod of iron. That will be in the tribulation period. And dash them in pieces like the potter's vessels. Even after the millennium, that will, that will also take place. So it's not one time event. When you read these scriptures, you need understanding of the timeline of how prophecy will be fulfilled. It will span a lot, uh, a very length, a uh, uh, good length of time. Okay, that's all. Okay. Uh, on the chapter, uh, on the verse 7, on the verse 7, excuse me, uh, that on the verse 8, on chapter on verse 7, this is the end of the day. So, according to you, is that still the day when that will be cut? It is on the future, is that it? Yes, it is the day. Yes, is the debate already done? Yes, yes, yes. The debate is already done. Okay, uh, yeah. uh, the day, there's a particular day. That will not be in the past. That will be in the time when he, when he will come to existence and he will declare who the Father is. And he will have his ministry. He will be anointed by God. And God will say, in short, sir, before the foundation of the earth. In short? Before the, before the foundation of the earth, that's Logos. That is in the predestination of God. Okay. Chapter 2 verse 7 will happen before the foundation of the earth. I think, I think, No, 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 no. It will happen when they are headed. Sorry. The vote of the listener. Yeah. Yeah. We listen to the other questions. Other people will also ask. Thank you, thank you for the answer, Pastor Pastor Chen. Okay, okay. Is there someone? So, who else wish to ask question? Uh, answer. Can I ask to Penuel? Yes, bro. Yes, bro. What he had said earlier. Are you still there? Yes, 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 yes. Continue, continue. You mentioned the the word monogenous theos. Is it correct? Monogenous theos. Ah, monogenous theos. Did you mention monogenous theos instead of curios? No, I did not mention huyos. It's not curios. Huyos. I did not mention huyos. Uh, but there's nothing wrong with Huyos, okay? There's nothing wrong. So when you translate the monogeus in English, yeah. what's, one. what's the meaning of begotten what? Begotten? Sun. Sun? Yeah. But you mentioned the Teos. What's the translation for English in Teos? Well, you can say, I, you can say that I was mistaken when... I use Theos because begotten son should be monogenes huyos. Clarification lang yan, ano? I, just, uh, I was just got uh, used to using Theos. What's your official doctrine about that? Is it mono, monogenes uh, Theos or huyos? Curios? If you remember, curios means Lord. So it's huyos or Theos, what? So, if you okay. remember what I said earlier, I am not against the term if it is in the right understanding. So, let's talk about the right understanding. There's nothing wrong with calling anyone Theos in the right understanding. Jesus Christ can be Theos as long as he is not inherent to another God apart from the Father. 
he inherited all things from the Father. He received the Spirit from the Father, his life, his, his deity, his power, his authority. Judgment was given unto him. And uh, that they should honor the Son even as they honor the Father. So that's, that's delegation. Philippians okay, 2. My, my, my next question is, you mentioned, uh, I think th- this is the two points of Uya Noel. That I think he, he won the debate because of the monodeus Pios you mentioned. And the other one is the God the Son. Your topic is to to negative side. You don't believe on the God the Son. But you say you are agree with the God the Son, right? Let me repeat my statement. What? I disagreed with the wrong understanding of God the Son. So, I said, terminology could be tolerated as long as the right understanding is there. It is bibli- as long as it is biblical. Biblical means, what, we can re- what can we read from the Bible? He received all things from the Father. He inherits all things from the Father. So, that so when, when, the, when Jesus Christ inherited the the power or whatsoever, the deity. he will be called God the Son. He can right? be. He can be. I said tolerate. Be. Because so it's, it's, not, can, it's not official. It's not official. Might. It's just your our, our own arbitrary terminology. It's just so our meaning own. to say, meaning to say you are approving the, the topic for Jesus Christ is the God the Son. Uh, let me repeat again, ah. Huh? It is not the term per se. It is the misunderstanding from the term. So I'm correcting the misunderstanding from the term. I'm saying, I'm even saying this. If you use the term and you make people misunderstand it, don't use the term. You're destroying people's lives by the term, by the wrong terminology. Barnawel, uh, okay, it's so not much. in the Bible, but we, uh, by understanding. Okay, by understanding, we have to have the right understanding. It should be scriptural understanding, okay, not against you. the scripture. It's against okay, the scripture. I'm just going to ask Kuya Noel. Kuya Noel, what is your official topic? Mm. Only in John 1.18 can you find uh, monogenes But in other scriptures, it's it's huyos because uh, there are other scriptures that talk about begotten son. Okay, the only begotten son which is um um John three sixteen, etc. No? So so we do not deny there is Huyos and there is Theos. But how do we understand Theos? It's like this. In John one eighteen, Christ is already there. He's not in the mind yet anymore. Christ is already begotten, Christ is already uh, uh baptized, and Christ was already ministering, declaring who the Father is. While he was declaring, the Spirit of the Father was in him. The fullness of the Godhead dwelt in him. Uh, the, the Spirit of the Father was in him. So, when the fullness of the Father dwelt in him, the Father said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. So, monogenes theos can correctly be understood that during the time that Christ was declaring that the Father, Christ was also, also manifesting the deity of the Father. Because uh, who, whoever has seen the Son has seen the Father. Because they have seen His works, they have seen His deity in the body of His Son. That's why there's nothing wrong 
in Jan 1.18 to be Theos because he was already in the bosom. He was already present with the Father in, in, his, in this earth. And he's, there's nothing wrong also with Huyos in other scriptures because he's still Huyos in other scriptures. The begotten son in other scriptures. So they're both uh, correct in the right understanding. In the right understanding. Not okay. 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 It's beloved, uh, it's beloved, uh, uh, same with begotten, the term begotten. I understand begotten is monogenes. Beloved is maybe another word. Okay, okay, thank you, thank you. Okay, okay, yes, yes. I'd like to add the intimacy. Uh, being called the son, not just because of intimacy. Uh, everyone comes from God, even Jesus Christ. So, the sons of God, Jesus Christ included, Come, all come from the Father. Malakai for Malakai two. Is it Malakai two? It says, "You are my. Have we not one Father? Have not one God? All uh, begat us." Now, Jesus Christ specifically said He came forth from the Father. If He came forth from the Father, He was in the beginning with the Father as the logos of the seed from God. Now. Uh, now, what is the difference between the sonship of Jesus Christ and other sonships? We are sons by adoption. The angels are sons directly uh, by creation, and uh, Adam was a son not by begotten, by, not by being begotten. So we were all begotten. So Adam was not begotten, but we're not directly sons of God. Jesus Christ was begotten and he was directly the son of God. Another distinction of Jesus Christ being the son. He is an overcomer. Before the foundation of the world, God saw that he would overcome. So God foreordained that Jesus Christ would be uh, our elder brother. He will be the image to whom we will follow our pattern. We have our pattern with to be born in His image, to be made sons and daughters of God. We must follow in the image of His beloved Son and bega or begotten sons uh, as our pattern, His image. So, that's the distinction of Jesus Christ. And let me connect it to John 1.3. John 1.3 has two applications. First, the Logos application. God would not have created the world if He did not see Jesus Christ overcoming. That is why without Jesus Christ, there would be no creation by God, the Father. Number two, Jesus Christ, not inherently, but uh, uh, by inheritance. He can be co-creator with God in the new image of man. Let me quote uh, Colossians 1.15. Uh, 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 who being in the form... Uh, uh, he was in the image of the invisible God. Jesus Christ is in the image of the invisible God. And um, verse, uh, verse 16, uh, for, for all things were made by him and for him. 
is the object of creation. Now, in verse uh, 18, he was first born from the dead. Now, the image of Christ in his first creation was similar to Adam. But the, the, the kind of image that we will follow our pattern is not the first the, when he was born with. But what, what he was resurrected with. The image of God that he was resurrected with was full of power and glory compared with when he was born, just like Adam, a sinless human being. But the full image of God is not just being just an ordinary human, sinless human. But you are cleansed, you are, you are uh, purged of your sins, you are glorified, you are uh, infused with power and glory. You're in the exact same image, Homo Oceus, with God in the resurrection. So when Christ resurrected, he did not just have his old humanity of Homo Oceus. He, he also had the fullness and power or glory of God in his flesh, in his body. He became immortal, eternal. So, Colossians 3.10, uh, uh, being made in the image, uh, being conform, conform yourself in the image of Him who created Him, the image of the Son, uh, 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 sorry, the image of the Father God, the image of God who created Him, the Son. The Son is, is our pattern to, to whom our image will be conformed. Uh, Romans 8.29, to be conformed to the image of His beloved Son. So that is my answer why he is distinct son of God. He is also our elder brother, Prototokos. Prototokos being firstborn. Okay. Okay. Besides the spirit of breath that is in our nostril, we have a spirit inside us that controls our body. Yes. Yes. So, so before, okay, okay. So, before we are born, that spirit inside us that controls our body is already existed somewhere. No, uh, before we are born, the spirit that we have today were part of our parents. It is only Adam and Jesus Christ that were directly come from God and the angels and all the animals. But, uh, Animals, they, of course, they have descendants, father, ancestry. But for us, our spirit comes from our parents. When the DNA of our mother and father fused together, the spirit in them be became conscious. So they have a spirit that combined together that uh, uh, the, the soul was developed there. So before they developed, it was only a spirit. There was no soul. The spirit okay, okay. from so our father and mother. Okay, okay. Okay, so therefore, our, our parents produce spirit. Is it not? That's right. During procreation, during when they procreate, God gave them the power to procreate. That includes their spirit because it's a part of them. As, as the body comes from the part of them, the DNA and RNA comes uh, from the parents, the chromosomes, the genes. So does the spirit. Okay, okay, regarding Adam, regarding Adam, uh, we go to Adam. Uh, Adam, uh, when Adam was created, uh, he, he was built by the father, uh, the breath of life. So, my question again, is there another uh, spirit inside Adam that came from somewhere? No, the that spirit, controlled his body? The spirit 
in Adam comes from God. When he God breathed to his nostrils, the spirit of life, the breath of life, it includes his own independent spirit. A, a part of the spirit of God split off. It happened with the angels. It happened with the universe. It also happened with Adam. It happened with the... So if Adam, the part of God that split off, it became a living soul. It became conscious. So what is the difference between Adam's uh, uh, genealogy and our time? In our time when we are born, what is the difference? He is our ancestor. Uh, one of no, regarding, regarding the spirit inside us that controls our body. When Adam pro procreated his children and he, they are became our, our, our ancestors, we are the descendants, the spirit multiplied. The, the spirit, the whole world of humanity uh, came from him. Oh, he was one of the progenitors. So uh, when we procreate, when our parents procreate up to, back to Adam, the spirit multiplies. And of course, the so, spirit multiplies. So in the sense that multiplies, where is it, uh, it, it starting? God gave the power of, to Adam in procreation to multiply, to replenish the earth. Let me say, God gave the power oh. to Adam to, to have another human being by procreation. Uh, I, I, did not, I did not mean, or I did not refer to human being, but I, I, I mean regarding the spirit inside us that force uh, uh, us to, to act or to walk, that controls our body. Not the human being, but the spirit inside that controls our body. Okay, okay. If you're, if you're referring to maybe energy, life force, Yes. Okay. Because we have a deism here. I want to have a dialogue with the deism. <laughs> the life force, the life force is like the food that we eat. Uh, uh, that is why we were able to multiply. If you lack protein, you cannot multiply. The same thing. Let's say we have a human spirit inside us. But a human spirit can die in the body. But we also receive life force from the universe. Or oh, this becomes not just deism. This becomes mysticism, right? New age mysticism, right? That uh, uh, there is a life force, aura of the tree, of the fruit, of the foodstuffs, and in, uh, even of the earth, and even of the sun, and even of the galaxy. We are. This is part of what uh, partial truth of Star Wars. <laughs> that uh, this life force in the universe sustains us. But of course, uh, it is under God's. Uh, no discretion. God can, uh, God has appointed a time wherein we could not sustain ourselves in here. We grow old, and that life force leaves our body, and the, the spirit that is left there could not stay in that body and leaves that body also. And it goes to another place to wait. Okay, right, so, okay, you mean to say that when we, 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 we die, uh, the breath, uh, uh, the spirit of breath will go back to the source or to the father which we call God, right? That life force, that life force that could not sustain the body goes back to God. That's what was written in Ecclesiastes. That, uh, another, another understanding would be it goes back to the universe. It goes back to the soil. Ah, uh, uh, okay, okay, okay. But, but that, 
that is the, 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 the spirit of breath, not the spirit inside the body that controls the body. It actually it's like this. It's connected, but if it departs, the life force does not sustain it anymore. The body does not sustain it anymore. It will disengage. A little life force is left for the existence of the spirit. A little. It will be it will be annihilated in the lake of fire. It will turn in the lake of fire uh, for some time. So that there is a little life force left for that spirit to to exist until that day, until it will be returned to the body, reunited with the body for judgment day. So for the moment, right. when a person dies, a little life force will be left. A life sustaining force for the body could not be sustained anymore. So. Uh, it separates, your spirit separates from your body. Except uh, a, a, a life force that uh, goes back to its origin or to uh, the one we call God. Uh, is there a memory uh, in that uh, spirit, in that uh, spirit of us when he dies? Uh, when, when a person dies physically, when a person dies physically, he might lose a little of his memory and he might retain some of his memory because there's scripture that he does not have any memory anymore, right? So, but there are another scripture that he could still remember his loved ones, okay? The, the, right, the, right, under, the right explanation for that is sleeping, like you are sleeping. But those who are wicked, when they sleep, they will experience torment. Uh, those who are righteous when they sleep, they will sleep, sleep soundly like resting. So uh, that's why there is a little memory. There's a little memory because when you're sleeping, sometimes your memory is still there, but sometimes it is not. But when you are resurrected, you will, uh, the Bible says you're awakened from, awakened from your sleep. Then you'll get back all your memories because you'll be very conscious then. When you're conscious, then it's either judgment or reward. Uh, judgment. Okay, uh, what I'm referring is to to the spirit that goes back to God. Uh, those uh, the breath of life that you say the life force, or the breath of God, or the breath, the spirit of the breath of God. Is there memories in that spirit? Okay. Uh, uh, in I have two answers, but in those answer instances, there's no memory. Let me explain. The, the first instance is the life force. When a person dies, the life force goes back to God, goes back to the universe. Uh, memory is not part, uh, a, a soul memory is not there. It could be a, uh, a re, what others call a residue. A residue could be picked up by others. Um, but there's another spirit that goes back to God. When a person is thrown into lake of fire, and another person is not from the lake of fire. Another person becomes one with God. He's born again. The person that is born again, his spirit goes back to God also by becoming one with God through Jesus Christ. His memory does not disappear. The one that is thrown in the lake of fire, so this is the secondary part I'm talking about. When he's thrown to the lake of fire, after he is annihilated, his soul is annihilated, his spirit returns back to God. There's no memory of it anymore. There's no memory of it. You're talking in the resurrection. I'm not talking in the resurrection. But I, I included that. I included that because 
it is has the same application when the spirit returns to God. When you say spirit returns to God, there is the life force, and there is the spirit that holds your soul. They they are they both can be applied. The life force is your, the death of your body, but the the, the the annihilation of your soul and the spirit, the actual spirit body that holds your soul returning back to God, that is in the lake of fire. And there's another aspect that his counterpart, those who are born again, that spirit will also return to God with memory. So it's not just life force. Uh, actually, it's the full, the life force of God. It's a supernatural uh, deity power of God. But also, your 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 spirit being, your, the body of your spirit, the spirit, your spirit body will be connected to God. And you have your full memory. That's for the born again. Uh, but for those who will not, for those who will be from the lake of fire, it's, they will disappear. They will lose memory. Okay. Okay, I open up this uh, topic because I have read uh, a verse that I have pulled up, but I know it's written that uh, under the, what they call the Dambara, there are spirits that uh, speak, and they have uh, memories regarding what. Uh, but how do you get killed? Do you know the verse in the Revelation? Um, it's in Revelation chapter 5 and chapter 6. Yeah, and it's in the memories how they get killed. Am I right? That is why I said partially they have memory. Partially. They, they were still waiting for their resurrection. So the memory is retained in the spirit. Yes. So I it it's between the two. Uh, some teach Jehovah's Witness and INC teaches that there's no memory, like they're sleep, that they're totally unconscious. And there are other that teach that they're conscious. That uh, the part of that is the verse that you mentioned. So my answer is the word sleeping. When you're sleeping, you could either be unco- un- unconscious. Or you could be subconscious. And say subconscious, a little memory, because you could be dreaming good and you could be dreaming bad. A nightmare. For those wicked ones. So, <laughs> there's a little memory. Thank you for the answer. No more question for the topic. Uh, I suggest uh, maybe the DSM will have some question for it. Uh, 